Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Thanks for joining us. Uh, This week, we're all here. It's me, Chris, back again with Patrick. Hi. Steven. Hello. And joining us again, our very special guest, Sam. Hello. You might remember Sam from, I don't know when it was, but she watched Bedeviled with us. She watched Beyond the Gates with us. Back in the bees. It feels good to be in the seas now. It It feels like we're climbing a mountain. We've traveled. And we're looking down and we see like our old campsites torn apart by the wind down down range. Yeah, like a half mile away and we still got like 500 miles to go. (laughs) Yeah. Pioneers. But you know, I'm sad this week because we're in the first week of November which means spooky season is officially over. No, no, no. It is Halloween until it snows. In in my life, anyway. I mean, it's spooky season all year round. Amen. I mean, yeah. d- some of the best ghost stories take place at, at Christmas time. I mean, look at Dickens, Christmas Carol. It's all right, holiday season. I don't think I've heard of that one. <laughs> oh well, you should check it out. Um, at your your local public library. Okay. So. You might like it. Track it down. It's okay. Well, well, we we did note that there's a push to start Halloween in September. So the next frontier is to keep it going till Christmas. But the Good Christmas luck. stuff's already <laughs> out at the stores, and no one I turn the blind Halloween eye. anymore. Oh, well, Halloween candy is gone. Not at Meyer. It's gone. Yeah, really? mine. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you meant you mean at the stores. At the stores. Yeah. I thought you were talking about in my house. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that Halloween candy. Didn't last long. Yeah, mine, mine neither. It, it, it came and went faster than Clive Owen's career. <laughs> Chris knows about my secret shame. The other night, I went to the, I went to Kroger. I had been craving ice cream, and then I also realized it was the day after Halloween. So I got the ice cream. I got a six pack of Reese's pumpkins. Then I ate four of the pumpkins and a half a pint of ice cream all in the same night. It was pretty fucking. Bad. I'm no stranger to a food binge, but if you put down four pumpkins and a pint of ice cream, you fucking animal yeah chris was horrified when i told him this the other Screaming. day <laughs> that's almost as disgusting as uh some of the stuff we see in this movie cargo this week c-a-r-g-o that's how it's spelled yeah cargo was also, its name australian film <laughs> also the title of uh a a i think platinum selling album by an australian band called men at work you guys familiar with men at work yes the album I, cargo Okay. Not the album specifically, but Men at Work, yes. Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive? Great song. Mm. Anyway, Cargo, what's this about? Well, we have uh, Martin Freeman, who... Bilbo Baggins himself. Bilbo Baggins himself. Back for another adventure. (laughs) I'm really not experienced with Martin Freeman. What? Um, Oh, whoa. (laughs) I did not see see the Hobbit movies. What about Uh, the Hobbit? I didn't see those. No. Let's do that again in harmony, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, no, he's in Whiskey Tango, uh, Fox, uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot with uh, Tina Fey. And I thought he was super sexy in that I movie. I wanted to see that movie, but I didn't. He's in, he's the, in Black the Panther. MCU. Yeah, yeah he's of in course. the original yeah. Office. He's in the Hobbit movies. He's in Ghost Stories, that new uh, okay. IFC Midnight movie okay. that I'm sure we'll review eventually on the show. He's kind of a he's kind of a nerd icon at this point. He's pretty beloved for a lot of different nerdy roles. Oh, and 
a superb actor. Yeah, oh, this, he's great. He, he's this is a very uh, this isn't your typical zombie movie. There's a little bit of gore in it, but um, there's, the action scenes are few and far between. It's a character drama, and, mm-hmm. and Martin Freeman is very believable. I don't even know though if he tweaked his accent for this movie. This is set in Australia. Yeah, it just no, sounds he like he's doing yeah. his, his close enough, accent. right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was I was just surprised to see him playing such a capable character because I'm used to seeing him play sort of bumblers like Bilbo oh, and, yeah. um, you know, even his character in The Office. But apparently on Sherlock, he's very capable, which I'm not aware of because I haven't really seen the show. I thought he was a little bit of a bumbler in this movie, but... Uh, what? Uh, he, he, he there are a few bungles in this movie but i wouldn't call him a bumbler he's oh, resourceful right. as fuck that's fair he fucks um, up a couple of times and we'll get into that though. so it's it's i'm not I sure i want to see how you do protecting your baby your babby in the zombie apocalypse so, Chris. so that's basically the premise bungles too that's basically the premise this is a zombie apocalypse movie where martin freeman he has a, a baby he's trying to get to safety across the australian outback and that's it. That's the movie. Well, there are zombies. There are zombies. There are zombies, but it's not really a zombie. I don't like zombie movies, and this movie did not bother me on the zombie front because you hardly see zombies in this movie. It's it's very much about the threat of the you know just the de- desertion of the terrain and the people you run into and the fact that you know uh, I guess we should say he's turning into a zombie. <laughs> Is that too much of a spoiler? No, I mean, that happens quite early on. I mean, it is a pretty shocking first act. Like, it almost feels like a spoiler. It feels like spoilers to reveal it, but a lot of pretty shocking stuff happens in the first half hour, even just setting up the plot. Yeah, we we begin in a houseboat. Uh, Martin Freeman and his wife and their their baby are are kind of traveling. Uh, They're running out of resources. They happen upon a yacht that's... uh, sunken halfway up against the the bank and martin freeman goes in to investigate finds some food finds a fancy bottle of wine that looks unscathed (laughs) from whatever happened to this boat he notices something in the in the closet the end of the boat though there's clearly something in there doesn't tell his wife doesn't want to worry her he goes to sleep it's their anniversary she goes in to investigate to see what else she can find she gets bitten by a zombie comes back and then then we kind of learn a little bit about what's going on with this virus at least at least like the protection measures this movie has its own sort of unique rules and soon thereafter martin freeman has bitten himself and we spend most of the movie with him trying to get his baby to safety across this desolate terrain before he transforms because the the virus in this movie takes 48 hours to turn you into a zombie so he knows he's only got 48 hours to somehow get his baby to someone who will take care of the kid well that he can trust before he's done he's a goner basically i thought it was interesting though that it to introduce the zombies or the the virus that's going around instead of just kind of laying it all out in the beginning like Mm -hmm. how it all began like contagion or something um they kind of laid out these little clues and so then you kind of figured it out once you know the wife was bitten and then you realize okay now it's a 48 hour virus and these are the steps and progression of the virus and so then you kind of have a feel for it once martin freeman becomes bit and you know what to expect yeah it's very impactful the way the world is sort of slowly laid out and you slowly realize the details and then kind of the fine print of the way this all works and we never find out where where the zombies came from which is great i don't give a fuck you know i don't either and i i love so it's a like one of the coolest like exposition dumps i've ever seen in a movie uh, where there are these sort of like floating uh, like like emergency packs in the river that they're traveling <laughs> on, and you pop it open, and it's like basically 
there's a little Fitbit in there that tells you how much, you know, you set a timer mm-hmm. on it for 48 hours after you get bit. There's, uh, if you decide that you want to, to off yourself, there's in like, there's like a little spike that you can jam into the, the side of your skull. There are all these instructions with cute little, you know, illustrations, illustrations of how of like, to kill yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought that was, I've never seen that in a zombie movie before where it's like, it, it's clear that it's not interested in where the virus came from, but it is very interested in like setting out the rules of the virus for you as, as efficiently as possible. Yeah, it felt like a very lived-in universe. Yeah, like, this has been around for a while. Like, you know, like, okay, we're going to get bit, and, like, we can probably pretty easily find one of these emergency packs. They're fucking everywhere. The government's just sort of bombed the terrain with them. And I I like that the emergency kit really offers no solution other than kill yourself. Yeah. (laughs) It gives you the tool to do it. And it's so effective because it feels so real, and yet I feel like this was a relatively cheap movie to make. You know, they don't waste a bunch of budget on having a zillion zombies running around or creating, mm-hmm. you know, some burnt out city street like you've seen in every other zombie movie. There are just these subtle little touches, and otherwise they're shooting basically out in the middle of the fucking outback most of the time. And, you know, it, it's it's simple but very, very effective. The Outback is such striking terrain. Like I've oh, long been yeah. a fan of movies set in Australia. Like I mean, Walkabout's one of my favorite movies. Picnic at Hanging Rock. Like there's a scene in Walkabout where it's nothing but a burning car in the Outback, and it, if you were to just isolate that frame, it looks like a zombie apocalypse movie mm-hmm. <laughs> just because of how crazy the the background looks. No, this movie adds to the long list that I'm continuing to compile in my head of. Australian movies about how fucked up Australia is. Like, yeah. Australian filmmakers make really disturbing movies about Australia. Like, Walkabout, Wake in Fright, The Proposition, this movie are all just like, whoa, what the fuck is going on in your country that makes you depict it in such a horrifying Why manner? Why are we doing that? Yeah, because yeah. I saw the film Australia seal at the beginning of the movie, and so then I, I'm, there's all these, you know, pretty glamorous shots of the outback terrain and everything. I'm like, I wonder how heavily this was subsidized by Australia. You know, is this mm-hmm. like a like a tourism video I'm right. watching? But I don't want to fucking go to Australia. No. For one thing, there's flies all over everything. <laughs> Jesus hell, there's scenes where there's characters having a conversation and there's just wild <laughs> flies landing on their faces. Yeah. And zombies are like maybe number five or number six of the scariest things you can run into in the outback. I oh, mean, Jesus. lower, lower. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a, 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 a funnel web spider Ugh. is reason enough not to go in the outback. <laughs> <laughs> Kangaroos alone can. Kangaroos will end your day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. yeah they'll, punch, they'll punch you out. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know yeah. the kangaroos They're were like They're about as tall as you, and they can absolutely attack you. Wow. There's a great video online. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's gone viral, but it's like a kang. This guy's at a, like, at a park or something in the <laughs> outback, and a kangaroo grabs his dog and puts it in a headlock, and the, the, oh, yeah. the, the owner of the dog like punches the kangaroo <laughs> out, like totally clocks him twice in the head. <laughs> It's disturbing. I don't believe in cruelty toward animals, but the kangaroo had it coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was being He's cruel to, to the that dog. dog. Yeah, he had it coming. It's a wild place, and we should mention that there's kind of a side plot in this movie uh, dealing with 
aborigines and sort of how mm-hmm. they're reacting to this zombie crisis and i'm not sure how it all really adds up in the end or whether or not it's necessary or if there's some social context i'm missing but it adds a layer of like mysticism in like magical realism to this otherwise pretty straightforward character drama well really it's more than a subplot like it start. we have an aboriginal a, character side plot, side plot. Yeah, i don't yeah, know is I that mean, even a term yeah i, I mean, would say it's the plot really i mean but it sort of creeps up on you because there's i mean we should explain so there's an aboriginal character who we see fairly early on a little girl who is who you would bet your life is a boy until they tell you she's a girl yeah by the way yeah whatever she's cute need, i need to say that <laughs> I need to get um, that off my as chest. a girl, I could see her like preteen, you know, ant hills from a mile away. Oh, so wow. she's clearly a girl. Wow, I wasn't looking. I could too. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry to interject. I'm sorry to interject. Um, uh, yeah, anyways, the this Aboriginal girl, we don't really understand her significance to the plot early on. She doesn't have a lot of lines. We don't even know quite what she's doing, and her significance her role in the movie grows hugely as things go on to the point where she definitely becomes a protagonist um alongside martin freeman yeah one thing i thought was really cool is like i don't know that anything really ended up happening with this idea but you know soon after we see the emergency kit and we learn how like how basically how white people are handling this problem mm-hmm. we have the ab- aboriginals who have their own culture and their own sort of like you know mystical ways of, of of interpreting the world and the reality around them and i this girl like her dad became a zombie but she devised this like mouthpiece mm-hmm. so that he can't bite anyone mm-hmm. you know so like, like yeah. to like her, a gag yeah like, like to, a bit to, gag exactly and like to and you know she'll like you know find you know, blood for him to lick on and put in a tree or whatever. But like to her, he's still alive. He's just changed. Mm. And I, I thought that that was cool. I don't know that the movie really developed that idea of these two sort of like opposing viewpoints on this plague where the, I don't know. Well, the aboriginals also in the movie have the power to drive the zombies out. Like they've kind of figured it out. They've got this paint that, um, what? I don't know about that. I had a hard time understanding what was going on with a- those scenes. According to the girl, they have a paint that keeps the zombies away, but I think that's just her trying to interpret the zombies through her own traditions, because when we actually meet the larger aboriginal tribe, they're all full of paint, and the zombies are still coming after them, and their solution is just to kill all the zombies. Yeah, but they're they're also doing the whole thing where they're burning the uh, the fields, which somehow has some effect on the zombies, purportedly. I mean, the aboriginals are fucking the zombies up anytime the aboriginals come into contact with them. They were burning the fields because the people turning into zombies would put their head head in the sand for whatever reason. And so they basically could take that advantage and, and burn them while their head is in the sand versus yeah. them like coming at them. Oh, is that what they were? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right, because there we were all the, the charred bodies. Body. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, and that's a really spooky image, yeah. too. I have to wonder if it's inspired by the story that you probably all have heard of, the the parasite um, that infects ants. You know oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a, I, it's like a it, body snatcher kind of thing. Right? Yeah, I don't know what, what kind of biological organism it it's is. It might be a, is it a Isn't fungus? It? It, I, I think, that, it's a I think fungus. that's right. But it's a fungus that infects ants and fucks with their brains okay, so that they you. like climb up to a tree and like sit there in the middle of the night or something like that. And then it, there's a reason all this happens is the parasitology is, but, but basically mind controls ants to behave much in a way that these people do at night. So hmm. I think that may be what they're trying to go for. Interesting. 
So this movie's about ants, is what you're telling me. I don't know what this movie is about. <laughs> it's about a lot of stuff. I <laughs> wish I knew more about Australian politics, and I, I didn't really have a chance Same. to read reviews, particularly Australian reviews of this movie. But there's a lot in this movie about um, oil and the gas, oil, petroleum industry in um, in Australia. God, they're obsessed. I mean, there's what four Mad Max movies now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gasoline war it's been going on for decades apparently but I, I think there's definitely something here with how the petroleum industry has affected australia and how it's affected the aboriginal population disproportionately at least that's mm-hmm. what i was picking up well it's probably the same story that we have in the yeah. rest of the world yeah. whereas you know there's a there's a environmental politics are uh, indigenous people's politics often mm-hmm. and you have mining companies and in this case fracking companies mm-hmm. and, you mm-hmm. know disrupting the natural order which affects the traditions of these indigenous people so i don't know i i read in the i read some subtext that maybe the fracking had caused the zombie outbreak yeah. mm-hmm. i thought it was like a, a social commentary of how white people, you know, are taking land and using the land improperly and how we're kind of fucking up the world. And now the earth is kind of putting it back on us. And I think the fact that the um, aboriginals were able to combat them says something in a social context. Yeah, the the zombie outbreak to me felt very much like it was sort of symptomatic of the ecological or, or social devastation that the oil industry and fracking had caused in the movie and it felt very empowering of the aboriginal population by the end Mm -hmm. that's all fine and good and i kind of read that into it but ultimately it didn't affect me emotionally right it it affected me you mean the movie or like that well the movie but also (laughs) that theme like i could see it play out i saw what they were doing but i was like but it's another zombie movie that happens to be well-directed and well-acted. But I didn't feel like there were enough... Like, I don't feel like the dots were connected well enough for me to really think this stood out from anything else I've seen uh, in this genre. I almost fucking sobbed so many times. Oh, I've heard that movie. reaction, and I just... I, I get it. I, I want mean, to we'll dig talk into about that, the end, yeah. but we gotta wait. But, yeah, yeah. And yeah, some some of what I'm about to say. I'll save my might... tears for the spoiler room. <laughs> <laughs> some of this point I'm about to make might have to get picked up again in the spoiler room as well. But for me, the environmental stuff and and all that, and just the general post apocalyptic feel of the movie did kind of resonate with me because I've been. As Patrick knows, I've been incredibly shook about the latest United Nations climate report, which came out at the beginning of October. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. If you haven't looked it up, okay. don't look it up because it will frighten you. The specifics, I, I forget, but long story short, we have about a decade to almost completely eliminate the amount of carbon we're putting into the atmosphere. So we don't die in another 30, right? Yeah, I mean, it, right now we're past the point we're we're past the point where there's inevitable things that are going to happen we can't stop them mass extinctions etc if we keep going on the rate we're going like 30 40 50 years it's going to be a post apocalyptic wasteland to where the some of the basic I have foundations to wait that long <laughs> god damn it We'll like, start prepping now, right? Uh, Enough yeah. systems are going to be damaged that, like, the basic things of what we call civilization will be at risk of failure. You know um, what? This is a good opportunity for me to bring up what we were talking about off cast, which is what is the appeal of zombie movies? On. There's a motorcycle outside trying to interrupt me. 
the, the, the fuel wars are on. Uh, what is the appeal of zombie movies? I mean, I know is um, we're Sam broadcasting was... live from Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a lovely day! Um, <laughs> Sam and I were talking about uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. I mean, I remember that being a big movie for me. You know, everybody's seen Night of the Living Dead and hopefully Dawn of the Dead. But, you know, now we've got The Walking Dead is in season, like, 25, and um, <laughs> there's just uh, all these zombie video games. When I was a kid, and I liked this stuff, it was because I liked the idea of, like, as, you know, the young boys do, like, pure, like, pandemonium and chaos and having to fend for yourself and, yeah. you know, carry a gun and, and you know, harvest resources for yourself. Like, I, like that was, like, a fun sort of, uh, like, thought experiment or, like, adventure concept. Now I don't really get it. I don't, I don't. I don't get anything out of this genre. I think like any ability to tell a, like a, a compelling character drama has been completely you know milked from the genre because we've seen it so many times. Mm. Until Cargo, this is a new. one. I guess so. I mean, yeah. it, it, didn't, it didn't. I mean, the zombie parts of Car- Cargo were the same as everything I've seen before. I think there's nothing you can add to the the zombie um, genre that hasn't already been done. But then you have to bring all the other stuff. So the drama, the characters from Cargo. I don't feel like they they put enough into the um, Aboriginal storyline to make you feel. I think that's why you didn't connect with them because we don't really know any of the background. We just know yeah. that that she's one of them, and they have a different way of looking at the epidemic or the spirit as well. So I agree. I don't think there was enough else there, but. I- Okay, I get it. You, for for this story, there has to be a threat, and if you're going to involve the the Aboriginals, you know, like, I mean, it only makes sense to just choose something sort of organic, like a like a plague or a virus, to be the threat. At the end of the day, I don't know if this is a story worth telling in the way it's told, though. Like, I I'm fine for a you know somber drama about the the plights of you know aboriginals dealing with the fracking industry in australia the sure. movie you want to see is james cameron's avatar <laughs> yeah sure no i feel like there's like a i feel like there's going there's going to be a naomi watts movie in our near future that <laughs> that satisfies uh the needs for whatever the audience for this kind of story is i don't understand why there are zombies in it <sighs> i just don't get it there's, you know i don't know i am i have never liked zombie movies Cynically, I think that the reason zombies are popular as much as they are is a lot of people have a fantasy about like getting to shoot other people legally. Oh God! Uh, yeah, I didn't want to say that in my <laughs> rant earlier, but yeah, that's right. That's um, kind of there too. These days, though, because I'm I'm concerned about the impending climate apocalypse, I'm seeing different things. And I've been talking to Patrick about how I've been replaying The Last of Us, great zombie post-apocalyptic video game. I'll give that one a pass. It is masterful, right? Mm. And it's it zombies much like in cargo in that game are incidental kind of to the actual meat of the story. And I think that a zombie apocalypse just sets up kind of an ap- apocalyptic world where you can have an interesting, you know, I, I like seeing people scavenge for supplies and, and or like I know, am legends kind of thing? paranoia. I haven't seen I am legend. I wanted to see that in the theater and I never did. And now I know, I know. I mean, it's a twist, Will Smith so. movie, but like yeah. it's still, it's interesting. Yeah, I learned today that uh, <laughs> Will Patton from Faith No More actually did some voiceover work for I Am Legend. Apparently, he was one of the the vampire zombie monster things. Cool. Here. <laughs> Does this movie need to be about zombies? I don't know. I mean, basically, the guy's he's going to turn into a zombie. That's the one interesting thing you can do with a zombie that you can't do with other apocalyptic stuff. 
mm-hmm. have a guy, have your friend turn into a zombie, and you have to kill him or her. It's and that's dragged out for so fucking long. Well, did anybody watch? It's dragged out for the whole movie. I know. <laughs> did, has anybody seen the short film that this was based on? Mm-hmm. No. So the directors, two directors, I don't know their names, it's a male and a female, I think, made a short film, I believe also called Cargo, it's like seven minutes, and it is this movie in a nutshell without the social or political subtext, it's a great short film. Are there aborigines in it? No. Amazing. It is, the short film is, we begin, (laughs) so we begin with the car crash, the zombie wife uh, biting the husband, Yeah. him realizing what's happening, then we hear the baby. Then there's kind of a shot. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not, but they have those little uh, like uh, people stickers in the back of their car with like mom, dad, and baby. And he like peels the mama because <laughs> she just died. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, so then he knows he's turning into a zombie. So he's like kind of racing with the baby on his back across the countryside trying to find somebody to take the baby before he dies. And then it cuts to him because he knew he was he knew he had to keep himself motivated because he's a zombie and keep walking he's got like a piece of meat Uh, hung on a stick in front of him and then he ends up finding like this outpost they shoot him down somehow the bullet doesn't hit the baby and then the you know the human survivors take the baby and carry off this is all in seven minutes that is this whole movie honestly the the good parts of it and it's done very quickly and efficiently Ugh. all right patrick patrick time to talk to patrick (laughs) <laughs> this yes i really did not emotionally connect to this movie outside of the first act which i thought was very good i'm i'm sad that we had to kind of spoil the whole first act to, because to explain what the whole movie's right. about yeah because um, everything when it's him and his wife and the baby and they're trying to survive and she gets bit and then what are they going to do about it all that was working for me a hundred percent the rest of it didn't turn the dial why did you love this movie patrick I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's great character development. The Aboriginal girl character was built up in a really interesting way to me. I was just totally invested. Great performances, great writing, and just really moving and sort of wrenching decisions that this character had to make throughout the, throughout the thing. And a great bond really formed between uh, Martin, Andy, Martin Freeman's character and Toomey or Toovey or whatever the, the girl's name was. I just didn't get it. I just didn't feel that. And I I thought the Aboriginal character was very poorly developed. Like, I can't tell you anything about her other than that she was an Aborigine as a substitute for her character. And we know nothing about her family either. Yeah. She's almost... We know her dad was infected. Okay. But, like, about who she is, her character... The family dynamic. She's really kind of, like, almost... uh, We know she's very resourceful. Um, She's resourceful. She. She's about as well developed as as Ray is the Force Awakens, I think. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know Chris likes to to dig at that movie. I mean, yeah, we know certain things about her. I mean, we probably know as much about her as we do Martin Freeman's character. It's just that if he, it's, I don't know the uh, the never the twain should meet. Like they just don't. I don't think those two storylines really gel together in a way that makes sense. Like, for half the movie, I don't know why I'm following this girl around through the outback and watching her draw pictures of her, you know, zombie dad. Right. I feel like everything that you see in those early scenes of her could have been shown to us at a later time Mm -hmm. after she had met Martin Freeman, and we wouldn't be scratching our heads for the first half of the movie wondering why we're cutting away from the storyline that we care about to show us this aborigine like drawing a a TV thing on the... There are only a couple (laughs) of shots of that before Martin Freeman's plot intersects with her. She's, She's a mystery for a very short period of time, and 
I think to a large degree, the point is that she is the protagonist. She's the one who's going to kind of carry things forward. And I guess not to get, I mean, that's sort of getting into spoilery territory here. I already spoiled the whole thing. (laughs) She's the one who's, she and her people are the ones who are going to inherit this reality, basically, at the end. Like, it's not Martin Freeman's story in the end. I just didn't like it. I just, it it, it kind of bored me. It works on paper. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're fine. It, It works on paper, but like, and I recognize as i was watching i didn't feel anything though by the end of it i was just kind of bored and exhausted wow. and actually wow a- lol'd pretty hardcore at, uh, at the a very emotional large climax moment. of the movie <laughs> i did the same thing we'll talk about it in the spoiler wow. room you Sam. guys are assholes that's all i have to say what, because we have a different opinion than you <laughs> no just that's a just a gut-wrenching and well it touched your gut but my floor is on a whole different level baby the way that you feel doesn't make it wrong i'm glad you had this experience with the movie because i felt like the movie so badly wanted my heartstrings and it so badly wanted me to connect this aborigine to martin freeman and get invested in that whole arc and i it wasn't working for me and Mm. maybe i'm a psychopath or maybe it's bad filmmaking. The, 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 I we continue. We have to build up this track record. Oh, I'm glad boy. it worked for somebody, though. <laughs> no, I, I think I agree with you. I, I think if, if we started with Martin Freeman meeting her in a circumstance that they did, and then we go back and, and learn all these other things, like, you know, about her dad and all that, I think that we could have connected with the character a little bit more. But the way that they laid it out, I wasn't invested. Like, I didn't, I felt bad for her being in this cage, but like, it didn't really matter until they met each we other. We got kids in cages in America, and it's not even the apocalypse. <laughs> so yeah, oh, I don't know why I'm laughing at that. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> well, Chris, you know how we were ta- we were talking. God, I keep going back to off cast. Uh, we had some scintillating conversation. How some movies are like, or some ideas are best made as short films and not mm. stretch out to features. That's how I felt about this watching it, and then I was delighted to learn that it was based on a short film and that the but director I'm said shocked. i'm shocked that the aboriginal aspect was not in the short film because i feel like that is this movie's point it's all about like i was asking you steve if uh one of the writers or directors was actually aboriginal and because it seems like this movie has something it really wants to say and illustrate with that and I'm surprised that that wouldn't be in the short film. They just added that for padding or color so. or flavor. I don't know if that was the intent from the beginning. And they want to, you know, a lot of filmmakers will make a short and then, you know, try and sell it or, you know, make a hit right. on the festival circuit. And then they, they can then they can use it to sell the bigger story, the feature film. I don't know, but there's no hint of it in the short. It's pure action. With a baby. I don't know. The, the whole, see, the thing is, there were a whole bunch of parts of this movie that I liked a lot. Like I said, the first act worked for me almost 100% with a couple. Well, I'll tell you why it didn't work for me 100% later. But um, there were scenes that were great. There were little arcs that were great. But it was so disjointed feeling. And it felt like things weren't really affecting each other. I didn't really understand the journey. I feel like if you have a, a movie where the character is trying to get from point a to point b i need a very clear idea of where point b is and how long it's going to take to get there oh i'll object to that though i mean he doesn't know like he's got a map and he has an idea but like at one point he gets to what is supposed to be like a military barracks and it's just like a bombed out husk of a building well that's the world he's living in well and also he's constantly trying to find someone he can entrust his kid to Mm -hmm. and you know different opportunities keep not panning out like he takes her to the 
the old school teacher who seems right. like she would probably be a pretty good person to leave the kid with. But then she takes off her wig and she fucking has cancer. You're not going to leave your baby with no, the woman who she, has cancer. She totally should have. And that's why I got disinvested from or divested. I don't know from the movie because I was like, here you go. Leave it with her. She has her shit together. Yeah, she has cancer, but she's going to live a lot longer than you will. And she can find somebody else and to entrust. The she kid knows to. the land. She knows where all the legit people are. Like, why don't you just leave? her with the teacher and then that's the end of the movie yeah that kind of baffled me too there's a lot of things where i feel like if things had just gone a little bit differently everyone would be okay and then there's no movie like if you why don't you just tell your wife there's a zombie on the boat that's 20 feet from our boat right then there's not a movie that was a little misfine like the first part of that movie i felt like there were a lot of like oh men moments <laughs> yeah. did you feel that sam a little bit i mean it was more like, I think it was because they're like, oh, it's their anniversary. Why spoil it? Because, you know. Yeah, yeah not- I think it was like he thought he was going to get away with all the stuff on the boat. He, I mean, he knew there, there, there was something on the well, boat. Well, he was doing he something that his wife didn't want him to do. Yeah. So he just like hid it from her, which obviously didn't pan out well for their relationship. Well, they have a couple of like a couple of arguments like really early on too, where she's like frustrated that like he's like pretending he has a plan, but he doesn't. There's clearly a lot of kind of like low key hubris in his character at the beginning of the movie. I thought it was interesting. I liked seeing that play out the drama between him and his wife. I feel like the movie really kind of like I, I missed her actually after she was gone. Absolutely, because that stuff was so much more interesting to me than the rest of the movie. But the most egregious part was when. Uh, the scene where she gets bit and you know she wants to basically sit under a tree and kill herself and she wants the the Martin Freeman and the baby to get Ugh. in the car and go away and she makes a good case for it and I'm like I'm really invested in this scene yeah. mm-hmm. and he thinks about it and he's like no I can't do that you got, I gotta try to save you takes her puts her in the car and then 10 seconds later they crash the car into a tree and she dies anyway and right. so I'm like why did you give me that scene and then do this I mean, it is interesting. I think to show his dedication to her. I I think his selfishness. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like he was being selfish. Yeah. And I hated the baby, which is another reason I didn't connect to this movie. She's the cutest thing ever. She's got a great hat. I'll give her that. Don't make me watch an hour and 44 minute movie with a fussy baby in it who's just fussing the whole time. She's fussing because she loves her mother and she misses her. And she was in the middle of a fucking traumatic ass situation. I don't give a fuck about babies, but that baby was adorable. You know what? That baby, honestly... Uh, there was a moment where like he had to like shush the baby and i was thinking like well how brilliant that like this baby hasn't made a fucking sound this entire movie until now no that baby made tons of noise that baby really? was just a yeah, fussy ass baby, baby. pissing me off i don't want to be chained to a fussy baby in real life i don't want to be chained to a fussy baby for entertainment i wasn't bothered by it which is strange because i don't like babies i think they're ugly okay am i the only one in this in the group that actually likes babies yeah oh, yeah. oh that's a shame well, no, I, I thought that she was adorable, and I was really hoping that it was going to work out, but it, I, I don't know. I, I felt like they were trying to harp on this, like, he didn't have a relationship with the baby, and now the mom is gone, and he has to ha- kind of, like, figure out how to take care of a baby, and it's just kind of, I thought that was a played out in other films before, so. But she's real cute, so Did you guys he, he seemed are very weird. Capable with her. Was there was there a diaper changing scene in this movie? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I don't she's, I didn't remember. The one, but. mom's changing the baby on the hood of the car. Martin Freeman looks at a map. He brings the map down. Oh, right. The woman's and she's gone, gone because yeah. she's on the ground convulsing because of zombie. Oh no! I just wondered if like there's a scene where he has to take time out from you know his 
his struggle to, to oh, no, change the diaper. He doesn't do anything like that. That's he doesn't do any parenting in this movie. Yeah, none at all. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting that, that's to. That's why basically. the movie's called Cargo, because the baby's cargo. He feeds Just her. Just a package. Though. He does feed her, I think. Right? The I don't remember anybody her. eating in this movie. The he gives her water. Well, other than flesh. I don't know. Wait, why is this important? <laughs> why are we <laughs> talking about this? Just, <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it might speak to a reason why I really just mostly disdained the baby, and the baby if it was kind of a distraction from things. I where is this movie without the baby? Though it's not. I don't okay. know. But if again, I try not to judge these movies based on the movie I would have made. But I think this would have been a better movie if they had taken made the whole first half of the movie about the wife and then she gets bit at the midpoint of the movie yes we have a little more time with the family a little more time to understand that dynamic and then the second half is only the good parts of this movie better movie way better movie because i was really invested in that drama and i I was like shocked that they just went for it and killed her off so quickly normally that would be like somewhere in act two uh, and it didn't supply me with enough supplemental material to remain interested after she died. I thought like, oh, this is going to be that kind of movie where something crazy happens every 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, and it's no. not. They they kind of faked us out. You uh, you guys, I don't understand. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> yourself. Come on. Why do you want, why did you want, why do you want that plot point dragged out? I'm just saying I, I, did, I was bored by the movie and I'm just thinking of other like what it would have looked like if it was a movie that I could enjoy. Yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to drag just out my anything. own personal taste. I just thought the beginning, I thought the family dynamic and the, the decision making and the survival stuff was way more interesting than most of the movie we ended up getting and I thought that the movie after the wife died just really kind of was a pacing nightmare and draggy and they were trying to get me into this aboriginal story and I didn't really understand where we were going and I had a hard time with it. Hmm. If they changed the plot, though, they couldn't call it cargo because I think the whole point of cargo is that he's carrying this child all over. Which I'm curious about. Like, why is it called cargo? Like, are they trying to say something with that title? Well, this baby is like the next generation, right? Mm. Like, it's going to be raised by aboriginals and presumably helps, you know, contribute to the good cause and stop the fracking and... All that other right, business, because all they, all the Aboriginals need is that white baby to help. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Right. I, right? I, I was, the did, white savior. That did raise <laughs> some some questionable. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't. I really Points. don't know what the thought process behind that was, but I can see certain parties being very offended. Any more defense there, Patrick? No, I mean I. <laughs> This movie has an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I feel like you guys are the ones no, it who mean, need to It does have an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'll have and to read some of that. the average review is like a C-. Minus. Did like, you say it doesn't? No, I'll have to read the reviews and find oh. out what people are seeing in this movie. This is a movie like The Ritual that has gotten broad acclaim, and I watch it, and I'm like, it has some good ideas, it has some good parts, but it kind of sucks. Look, I, I don't. I'm With not gonna, that, maybe we should just go to view it cute. I'm not going to go on my Rotten Tomatoes rant right now. I think it, it deserves an 85%. That's a solid B. It's a B movie. I think some people are going to love it, like Patrick did. I think there's a lot going on. There's a lot to attach yourself to. If you get on its wavelength, there's enough there to become invested in it. And it's made well enough and acted well enough that I could see it being a pretty, you know, a good tearjerker. It just didn't work for me. Cue so, it. Uh, all right, cue it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? 
I would say that if you like zombie movies and it's your genre, I say view it because it it's slightly different than other zombie movies. But if it's not your genre, just cue it. So personally, you personally, say cue it. I probably could have just cued it. I like this movie probably more as a zombie movie than I like most zombie movies because it wasn't all about the zombies. Right. It did some interesting things. It kind of built a world where there was a zombie threat, but the zombies themselves weren't super relevant. to the, You could take all the zombies out of this movie and it would pretty much be the same movie. I did not like this movie. I After the beginning, I was bored as hell. It was well made. I like what it was trying to do. I have to give it a screw it, not because I think I want to say screw this movie, but because I wouldn't recommend anyone view it. If you want to watch this movie, watch it. I would never discourage someone from watching this movie (laughs) if you think it might be your thing, but I cannot recommend you put it in your queue because on a night when you're bored and you're looking for a movie on Netflix, I think you could do a lot better. Don't put it in your queue. They're a lot worse. Yeah, that's true, too. Patrick, would you cue it, view it, or screw it? Strong view. View it with prejudice. This is, I think, maybe my second favorite thing that we watched for this podcast after a dark song. I thought it was beautifully acted, beautifully shot. It was a unique take on its genre. I really enjoyed how character-driven it was. Incredible performances. I mean, we haven't even talked about performance too much, but Martin Freeman is killer oh i'll get behind that yeah amazing everybody actually is really really strong in terms of acting and just the ending just fucked with me so bad like it was really emotional very powerful experience for me i enjoyed it a lot i'm glad i'm glad to hear that actually thank you yeah it's yeah well we'll we'll get into the ending i guess and then just a little bit we're gonna go down to the spoil room talk about the ending maybe talk about some more of the little plot arcs that pop up kind of midway through or afterwards in this in this movie in this yarn uh so go watch the movie be like patrick or if you say screw it stick around listen to us we'll spoil everything in just a minute see you soon Welcome back to Every Horror Movie on Netflix. We are in the spoiler room right now, getting ready to spoil this damn cargo movie and tell you everything about what happens to this small child baby and did it make it across the outback or not. Baby's first zombie apocalypse. Quite redundant. Chris, I I, I really appreciate that turn of phrase, and I want to call attention to something you said earlier on the podcast that kind of slipped by because you made a point after it, but earlier you were like, Jesus, hell. I don't want that to be a thing. <laughs> All right. Jesus, well, hell. That's how I felt about this movie after a certain point. Um, I was with it for a while. Martin Freeman and Baby, they have a series. It's another movie that kind of feels like a series of vignettes where yeah. you know, yeah. there's these little self-contained plot arcs kind of rem- reminiscent of The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. I thought of that a lot, especially with We Meet This Guy who has... Uh, ties to the oil industry and he's basically like running his own rig at this point right mm-hmm. he's got his own little compound that was fascinating to me this guy's deal is he was just a line worker yeah he hung all the other line workers out to dry he ran off with the kitchen girl and decided he was gonna forcibly make her his quote-unquote wife mm-hmm. and he's just basically sitting there sitting on an oil pipe and like looting the dead and trying to 
accumulate material wealth for when this all settles out, he'll be on top of the heap with mm-hmm. all his material goods. Self-made man, inspiring story. So I was wondering if they were trying to <laughs> self-made make is, Australia great again. <laughs> self-made is a lot of them. Uh, so I was wondering if if they were trying to if that relates to the theme and if it's you know and then white greed them. capitalism sure yeah yeah it's, I mean the themes are all very vague here and that. It works fine enough for what this movie is. Yeah, but that's an interesting vignette. Oh, it's cool, but it did, it did feel like a video game, sort of. Like, this is like a little sort of side plot that ultimately didn't reveal much about our protagonist. No, he, he's kind of um, becomes the main antagonist of the movie, kind of, because he shows up mm-hmm. in the climax. Right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Ready to raise okay. hell, but to what end, I still really don't know. I think it reveals plenty about the protagonist because, you know, it's it's another kind of question for him where he's like, should I take the risk on leaving this kid in this particular mess? You know, the woman seems like she's reliable, but then he slowly learns that the guy is a fucked up piece of shit. And, and he tries to get her out of there. And Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a classic road trip type of movie. You know, it's like The Road or... Or on the road, or um, or uh, r- road games, or the uh, Muppet movie, the Muppet movie. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, this is a fairly <laughs> standard storytelling technique of you know, uh, you know, the protagonist going from character to character and little adventures, I guess, happen- happening along the way. So something else that pissed me off about the movie in general, but but manifests itself extremely in the scenes that relate to this plot arc, is I thought the action was very hard to follow, and it frustrated me, like the part where the oil guy, he's shooting at our hero, but accidentally kills his, you know girlfriend or whatever instead. She jumps in front of the bullet, though. Was that intentional? Yeah. All right. See, I didn't read it that way. I thought it was an accident. It was intentional. It was a little sloppy. And then yeah. later on, he's wrestling the the Martin. I almost said Morgan Freeman. Martin Freeman. <laughs> and uh, a little different. And uh, our hero, uh, Martin Freeman, and the antagonist are wrestling in the dark. We know that our hero has a revolver with two bullets in it. Which you know, the number of bullets you have is. If you tell me how many bullets you have. They better, like, really matter. I better be able to keep track in my head. And then, like, they kind of wrestle, and there's a gunshot or two that go off, and it's unclear who's been shot. Well, it's like how Loomis can't remember how many bullets he put into Michael Myers in the first Halloween. (laughs) It's four or five. I don't know. It's the most pivotal event of my life. Well, if if Martin Freeman doesn't know, that's one thing. If I can't tell watching it, it's a different thing. I don't know. Kind of bothered me. I guess that's not a big deal. It's a low order concern, but uh, with these little things that kept me from getting emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. I felt like when the chips were down, nothing that happened in this movie really mattered. The movie was going to go on uh, its trajectory and do what it wanted to do. There are lots of Give cool me an example scenes. of that. I don't understand. Well, the your primary point. example is the thing I brought up before, where it's like there's the whole scene of whether or not he's going to leave his wife under the tree to die. He doesn't, but she's he leaves her to die. 10 seconds later or she dies 10 seconds later like because the deus the deus ex machina comes in and is like all oh, the cars crash now and she's dead anyway so that whole choice that you were invested in doesn't matter yeah that was, but that doesn't change we, the person that he is it changes the circumstances he's in but it doesn't change the person that he is which is a doggedly determined person a person who's doggedly determined to preserve some sort of normalcy for his family even when it doesn't make that much sense. I, I couldn't connect the decisions that character was making to ramifications in the plot. It seems like he was always getting bailed out by something or mm. 
or that his choices didn't matter. You know, I think we we all have agreed that Martin Freeman gives like a great performance in this. Firstly, because I think like none of us have seen him play this kind of role before, and he shows that he does have range. Mm-hmm. He does seem like kind of a shallow character. Like we we don't really know that much about him, other than that he is determined in the way that I think almost anybody would be under any circumstances if if, if their child's life was on the line. But ultimately, what it comes down to is uh, these these vignettes where other characters become more important than he and his quest are. And I don't know. I mean, that works in some movies, like you said, like a road movie, or even like you know the the probably the greatest Australian movie ever made, Walkabout, is is a series of vignettes. Uh, it's kind of but but it, that's like set up to be kind of a dreamlike sort of mystical odyssey. This movie isn't. It just it's like trying to have it both ways to be a straightforward action film and a character drama at the same time. And I don't know, it never gelled for me. We can tell that he's kind of an everyman who's in over his head, and that's kind of all we get to know about him. But that's 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 fine. Could Maybe I would have been more invested if I had cared more about this character, or just if they hadn't said, okay, here's a guy with a baby, you fill in the gaps. I mean, it's his baby, so obviously he wants to keep the baby safe. And that's really all. Yeah, uh, and oh, does he keep that baby safe right up until the end? Oh, does he keep that baby safe? God, are we are we at the end yet? Do we just talk about the <laughs> ending? We of this talk movie? about. I mean, there's a, a pivotal moment in this movie that I think is supposed to be a moment of emotional catharsis. Uh, it's the, the resolution, and and I, you know, I almost fell out of my seat, and I was pretty tired at that point. It woke me up. It brought me back to life. Share. Share. <laughs> <laughs> So he's in the final throes of, you know, the, the, the disease. We think he's a goner. And then we get a shot of him. Wa- he's walking toward the, the, the aboriginal tribe, right? He's about to off himself. Because yeah. they come out there. The aboriginal girl has said, hey, all, all my people are where all that smoke is coming up. We just got to get to them and your mm-hmm. kid will be safe. Okay. So well, and she's incapacitated pretty much at this point because the again, final for very vague reasons. Well, no, she got fucked up in the tunnel when during the mm-hmm. fight with the um. What, he, what like, was his threw name? Threw out of the Vic, truck. Or, he like threw her out of a truck very vaguely. What? The line worker, the oil, the oil guy who we were talking about before. There's a final fight with him, and he yeah throws Toomey, I think her name is out yeah. of out of this truck and so it hits her head. Yeah, but. I think the Nate, I don't know, whatever. I, I, I didn't really have a understanding of what her injury is, which I think is important when you're having like a survival type movie. I think a movie. concussion is what I was gaining because he kept telling her not to fall asleep. Wow. Uh, right? Yeah. Well, that would make sense, I guess. But she's sense. like barely has it together for most of the journey. And Vic almost kills the fucking baby. Like I was yes. just sitting in my seat like, oh my God. Like, because at that point I was like, I'm not, I wouldn't put it past this movie to kill the baby. And then you would have said, screw it. Maybe, maybe. I know how you feel about killing babies. (laughs) I might be a psychopath because I have to be honest, I didn't really care about the baby in this movie after a certain point. Me neither. At a certain point, I was like, you know what? Like, that's our, that's our collateral. And it's just, I I didn't care. I didn't feel feel like there was, yes. And it didn't feel like an actual, like there was actually a threat on this baby. And and it's a baby. Like, I find them ugly. They're hard to relate to because they can't talk. They can't communicate. (laughs) Well, it didn't feel like there was a threat. They're surrounded by threat. Well, no, it didn't feel like a threat to like 
um, to to my emotions, I guess. I'm like, well, if the baby dies, the baby dies. Like, oh I care more God. about Martin Freeman. Let's play a psychological point. game. Okay. I mean, Vic almost, like, he makes a motion like he's about to snap that kid's neck. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. And then he, like, breaks down. He can't even do it. Like, as fucked up as this guy is, he can't do it. And he gives the kid back to Martin Freeman. And Hold I was on. just like, I was a fucking wreck. Let's play a, a psychological game. <laughs> let's pretend, a thought experiment. Let's pretend there's no baby in this movie. Okay. Let's pretend instead... It's the suitcase from Pulp Fiction. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. (laughs) Martin Freeman's wife gives him a suitcase and is like, you have to keep it safe. Promise me you'll keep it safe. What if it's the one ring? Sure. Let's pretend it's just a briefcase and we don't know what's in it. And like, you know... He's like, keep it safe. And he's like, I will. I will, baby. And he takes the briefcase. Keep it secret. Is it the same movie? I feel like we have the same fucking movie. What? I feel like it is. Yeah. What? I don't care. There's nothing. There's no reason for me to care about this baby other than that it's a small, fragile, you know, thing that's going to become a full-grown human someday. But I don't know anything about it. I know what it symbolizes. Like it's hard to like project personality or like. What do you need to know a about a baby? Like, there's no personality that you're gonna get out of a baby. That's what I'm saying, and like no, the fact the that it's a baby. She's an innocent that she can't take care of herself, and she's dependent on mom or dad to take care of her or some kind of a guardian. So she's this innocent being that doesn't really know what's going on. I, I completely, it would be a completely different movie if it wasn't a child. That this father was trying to take care of. Yes. There's not enough in this movie from the baby's perspective. Which, granted... (laughs) What? Please tell me how that would have gone. Well, I mean, Spielberg has, like, made a career early on about, like, showing... Like, telling stories through, like, perspectives that we're not used to. Like, it'd be one thing if, like, we can see sort of, like... Like, if this movie, like, frames Martin Freeman always, like, in the action, maybe, like, another thing to see mm. from, like, the like from the baby's perspective, like, behind him. Let like, me stop uh, you right like, there. Like, <laughs> Let I don't me know. stop you right no, there. About that. I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch. One but. of the most... I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, and I, but I think it does do that. One of the most impactful shots in the whole fucking movie is after the car crashes and you see the baby in the foreground, in the background, way out of focus, Martin Freeman killing his wife after she goes full zombie. Okay, yeah. you're the right. The baby is crying, and then somehow, and I don't know how the fuck they did this, the baby stops crying like the moment that he kills the zombie wife, and that was a really impactful moment to mm-hmm. me. There's that one shot, but like other than that, and that was a, that actually, now that you brought that up, I actually really liked that. I remember being moved by that scene and thinking like, okay... I want more of that. Otherwise, it just feels like the baby's just being kind of traded around. Like you said, Chris, it's like a MacGuffin. And there's like no reason for me to get... I, I couldn't feel attached to I don't it. know what you can do with it more. I mean, I'm trying to think. Are there other movies That's that revolve around a That's why I'm saying I just wish it wasn't baby? a baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, Baby's Day Out. That's yeah, I love classic, that movie. <laughs> the baby... Three men and a baby. There's tons of movies. We can go into Look who's that. talking. Look who's talking to. Yes, look who's talking now. Well, you're talking about you're talking about babies that have personality. Yeah, baby geniuses. I don't know. How. What did you want Bruce Willis to do its voice? Like, what the fuck do you guys want? This <laughs> yeah. is fucking ridiculous. I don't know. The I... baby symbolizes innocence and the possibility oh, that there yeah. could at some point be a world where yes. this baby can grow up and not have a fucked up I life. I agree like, with that. 
There's so much riding on that baby, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what baby it is, but it's a cute baby, and it gives a decent performance as far as fucking babies go. <laughs> well, and- I guess my thing is, like, okay, there has to be a way to, like, show that, though. Otherwise, it's just a baby. Like, I don't feel like there are a lot of scenes where, like, people are talking about the baby's potential and, like, what it means and how, like, like it could help lead the revolution when it grows well, you up. you don't need Fuck. that. I, it would help. Well, it would help for me. It would me. help, yeah, for me, too. That's what I'm no, getting. Why do you need someone to explain to you that, that a baby symbolizes <laughs> the possibility that... Who cares about we are just we're <laughs> getting heated now we're getting heated. <laughs> oh my god i'm just trying to find a way to explain why i didn't care about this baby <laughs> i get you know what for oh. some people like sam and patrick you show a man and he has a baby and that's all the motivation and that's all the emotion we need this baby's gotta stay safe for whatever reason I didn't feel the same way about that baby. The baby kind of pissed me off. I guess Stephen feels the same way. We needed something else to hook our emotions onto besides the fact that, oh, this guy has a baby. Lots of people have a baby. Lots of babies have already died in the apocalypse that this movie shows us. This baby's going to have a fucked life regardless of whether it survives or not. I don't know. And you know what? I kind of think of The Last of Us again, not to keep beating that drum, but you know, they do have the, the girl MacGuffin in The Last of Us. Very much the same situation where the hero has promised to deliver this girl for who's essentially his wife. And she's also like may hold the cure to the zombie outbreak in her blood. So that's okay, why but we can know hang that. On it, to that. I haven't seen that movie, but you're saying that we it's knew. It's a video game, Sam. Okay, whatever. So, <laughs> do you even game, <laughs> bro? I, I do not game. No. But if you knew that fact, then it's totally different. But, but this is a child. Like We don't need to know that she's important in any particular way. This movie banks a lot on how the audience member feels about a baby. You know what other movie does and does it really fucking well is Children of Men. That's a oh, movie yeah. where people talk about the importance of the baby. And even though it's a baby that you can't relate to, you understand that like this Speaking baby. Speaking of Clive Owen's like career. Movie, <laughs> it's not that different. It's an apocalyptic no, movie. But it's I mean, different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, but, but, very but different. that's a movie where I cared about the baby. But, but it's inside someone. You don't see anything from its perspective. You don't know anything about its personality. That's great. You don't even. It's a very undeveloped character. (laughs) That's basically like. We have no idea what that baby's thinking. I see that that baby coming out of the womb and being birthed in that movie. Like, it's impossible not to feel connected when you're like in the nitty gritty. So, screw the baby because she's out of the, the mom? Like, come on. I just don't. I That's don't, a movie I don't that I cared about the baby so much. I didn't even need to see the baby to care about it. Well, good for you. Steve is coming off uh, pretty uh, right to life here. This oh, wow. movie. This movie. <laughs> This felt like that scene in the 1966 Batman movie where Batman's got a bomb. He's just looking for somewhere to put it, and then it doesn't fucking matter. Martin Freeman's gonna die. He's like, I got this thing. Where can I put it? Where it's safe? Hot potato. I got this thing. I mean, I think it might boil down to you being a psychopath. If you're, I mean, you're actively comparing a man trying to find a safe home for his child to Batman trying to get rid of a bomb. <laughs> you know, something else that I, I have to say here is like, I didn't care enough about Martin Freeman either. Like, like there's not, it's again, like I kind of wish that like the emotional drama in the first you know, 20 minutes of this movie had been dragged out longer and that we'd seen more of like him and his wife and him and his wife interacting with the baby and like the family unit. And then it would feel more heartbreaking 
when it was torn apart. It just felt like we're just introduced to these characters. We get like a couple of scenes with them and then suddenly we're escalated into this wasteland. I, didn't I think need, that's my problem. I didn't need that at all. In fact, I, I'm glad you brought up Children of Men because it reminds me of Children of Men and how quickly they build that relationship between Clive Owen and Julianne Moore and how quickly she's then torn away. You can do that if you write it decently and act and direct it decently. And I think they do that uh, in, in this film. I thought the wife's performance was excellent um and i really got a sense of that bond between them and and the loss that occurred when she was taken out of the picture i'm glad it worked for you it it didn't work for me felt like something was missing just comes down to how we feel about babies i guess no i wouldn't say that well maybe for i i would say that and you are my good friend but i never want to see a movie that you make with a baby in it (laughs) you know what i got she's addressing chris for the listening audience (laughs) i gotta say if it was a cat, I would have given oh. this movie a view. Oh, yeah. Oh, bring a cat <laughs> wow. through that? Somehow, back? somehow I feel more sympathetic toward a, a cat than a baby. But there and we go. And I agree. Martin Freeman didn't do it for me either. Maybe because he's like, it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to die. So Fuck cats, guys. Like, Fuck cats. Hell yeah. yeah. Thank you, Sam. I don't know. All right. Well, that brings us down. Actually, I might have cared more about a dog if it was a dog instead of a baby. A boy and his dog. I might have cared more. A hobbit and his dog. It would have been a great movie. (laughs) I might have cried if they were, like, threatening to kill the dog. (laughs) But I didn't cry in this movie. I think lack of animals in this movie. I might have actually cried if there was a dog. No kangaroos. You know why? Because the zombies are eating the animals. Are they? What if a kangaroo is strangling the dog? And I'm in a headlock. I mean, it I would go viral would for do. sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if it would be more ridiculous than the last scene of this Jesus movie. Fucking Christ! Oh wow, yeah, we got a huge detour here. So they're going, they're going towards this smoke, and our hero is quickly succumbing. He's like, "I'm just gonna bury my head in the fucking sand. Screw you guys. I'm a zombie now." Cut to the Aboriginal tribe going full blown Matrix on these zombies. They yeah. got their spears. Shit up. They got their smoke machines going. <laughs> They're wearing their crazy get ups. Uh, They're in battle gear, baby. <laughs> crazy it's cool. Get-ups. Well, I liked it. There's some guys spears going through heads. By crazy get ups, I mean the guys wearing a jersey with a number twenty three on the back, which is a huge faux pas. You don't do that. And the the smoke clears. Oh, God, I don't even know how to set this up. Uh, let me explain it. Look, Patrick, you it'll love just piss this. me off. <laughs> yeah, Patrick will make it sound like it's a really impactful movie. <laughs> I want to hear how he received it. it. I want I want to hear how he received it. All right, Patrick, what happens at the so, end of this beautiful film? So, <laughs> wait, t- tell it from the baby's perspective. No, no, no. Oh yes, yeah. I'll, fi- I'll finally sell you on it. <laughs> so, so Dada walk out of smoke. <laughs> Um, By baby's perspective, I mean the way the cameras. No, so uh, Martin Freeman has taken an interest in like meat. He saw a dead body on the ground, and he's like thinking about eating it. And he ends up picking up a piece of meat for reasons we don't know why. Puts it in his pocket, pocket meat. Yeah, pocket <laughs> meat. Yeah. You gotta have some. Not gonna lie, that same phrase occurred to me as I saw that. I was like, oh, pocket meat. Yeah, I'm just save it for later. <laughs> got like an intestine coming out of his pocket. It's so good. as he is basically preparing to zombify and he's like saying his goodbye to the aboriginal girl uh-huh. he says uh something like i have to go now or something which also i was just like oh like right in the fucking heart um he's he's pulling stuff out of this like emergency kit and he pulls out like a zip tie and like you think he's gonna to do himself with the, with yeah. the stiletto yeah. weapon yeah yeah because we've seen this thing that I, I was never sure if it was a shot 
It's the like thing a from the X Files. Syringe or a stiletto <laughs> weapon. Yeah. It reminded me of an ice pick. Yeah, yeah. It's some way of kind of like yourself. a switchblade, but with an ice. Pick. I wasn't yeah. sure if it was like an injection element as well or not. Yeah. No, it's just when you inject an ice pick to the temple, you're like. Basically dead, yeah. yeah. Sam, you seem to know a lot about this. <laughs> um, <sighs> Don't look in <at> my basement. <laughs> Anyways, they're trying to get to the aboriginals who are at this point fairly close, but the aboriginal girl to me is um, incapable of taking the baby the rest of the way herself because she's you know got a concussion or whatever the fuck we've determined is wrong with her. Um, so he is pulling out this stuff and you think he's about to kill himself. So we go back to the aboriginals and then we see sort of staggering out of the smoke, zombie Martin Freeman. He's got the baby still on his back, but also the aboriginal girl is hanging onto his back. So he's still walking. He's a zombie, but he's like either he or she has zip tied his hands together so he can't cause any damage with his hands, put a bite guard in his mouth so he can't bite anybody. And then they put like a fucking stick on his shoulder with the meat on it. So he's like following the meat like a carrot on a stick. Yep. And she's like steering him basically. So it's a way to get her to the aboriginals. Like a horse. Still, yeah, like a horse. I'm trying not to laugh out loud even as you describe it in a dignified way. It was a fucking ridiculous it's visual fucking great. of this aborigine girl the resourcefulness. Riding him like a fuck. Riding zombie. Our hero is now a zombie and is being ridden like a fucking horse. It's a beautiful And she's moment. got a, like a pole in front of his face, making him walk towards the meat so she can ride him. It's a beautiful moment. It's what just, a resourceful like, use of a zombie. You've never seen that before. I've never seen it before, no, but, but it's fucking hilarious. And I didn't. If this movie time. worked the way it should have, I shouldn't have felt like I needed that kind of catharsis at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't have felt like I needed a laugh. And it looks absurd. Was yeah. it the movie not working the way it should have, or was it you guys not working? I don't the way understand. It doesn't matter. Oh, I gave it a cue, and I'm sticking to it. That makes sense that this was in the short because, yeah, it, that's clever in a short when it's one guy who has to like find a way to like you know, and you have ten minutes to tell this story, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna keep walking even when I'm a zombie. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> not necessary in this movie, but I feel like even the ambiguous like like injury that the girl suffers to incapacitate her, but only to the to the extent where she can only ride on top of the guy but not take the girl take the baby herself long way to go for this payoff which seems to be their uh, obligation to the short that they made and no one stopped to think hey wait does this really match the emotions we're going for in this new story we're trying to tell with all this aboriginal well, stuff short, added to it because i'm the only one who's seen it but i encourage everyone to check it out it's just seven minutes oh, it's really six with a minute of credits in the short it's just kind of like a oh, wow, I've never seen that before a moment. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. And, like, it's short enough that, like, you only see the guy and the baby, so it's easier to be invested in this little quest of him trying to save his baby. You don't have all this other drawn-out shit with the aboriginal side plot and everything else and all these vignettes. It's just used as, like, a, oh, that's cool. I, like, never would have thought to do that if I was turning into a zombie yeah. moment. And in the movie, it like that moment, it, like, everything hangs on that moment. Like mm-hmm. that's how the baby is eventually delivered to the Aboriginal tribe who are going to raise her. And it, that just makes it seem even sillier to me mm-hmm. somehow that he's being used as a jockey. We spent this whole movie like admiring how resourceful and like 
alive and intense he is, despite the fact that he's dying, and then we just see him with his fucking mouth hanging open, this yellow pus coming out of his eyes. It's his final act of resourcefulness. That's the perfect reinforcement of what we learned about his character, is that he found a way to still make himself useful and help this girl and his child out, even after he's been incapacitated. This thing that he's been racing the clock for the whole movie. Uh, on paper, it works visually. I just thought it looked silly. Here's how I'll meet you in the middle, Patrick. When he's turning into a zombie, he's saying goodbye to the kid, like, he's passing the torch that's high drama it works pretty well you'd have to really fuck it up for that kind of situation to not play emotionally but then to cut from that to this (laughs) ridiculous visual right i laughed out loud and steve laughed out loud and it's just a bad move i thought Mm, no, made me feel emotions, and but what emotions? not as much emotions as the final moment, because then one of the aboriginals is about to kill Martin Freeman, and uh, the aboriginal girl stops him and pulls out this little bottle of perfume that Martin Freeman's been using the whole movie. He sprays it near the baby because it reminds her of the mother. That was good. That and was calms fine. her down. Yeah. So she sprays it in front of his face, and you see this sort of like look of calm come across his zombie face <laughs> for a minute. And she puts her hand on his hand, and then they stab him, and I was just a fucking wreck. God, right. I'm, You're such because a Because I, I do care about oh, him and his wife still. That's why that works for me, because I care about the relationship between him and his wife and his grief over his wife that turned into a zombie and he had to kill with his bare hands, and that was, that was all good. Give me that. Don't give me the him being ridden like a fucking horse. Yeah. I, I agree. It was really silly. <laughs> well, I'm, glad it, I'm glad it worked. I'm still confused on what they were trying to really show us with the whole Aborigine theme. I meant to do research, but, you know. All we can do <laughs> is, time. is guess. I should have been able to infer more from this movie. I think I think we got it. I think we got it. Like, you know, it's like colonialism. White people are taking over. They're making bad decisions for the planet, for the environment, for the economy. And it's these people feel, you know, disenfranchised, cast off further into the margins. And, like, now they have a chance to to circumvent this plague and maybe start something new. Right, like they've got their own solutions to this problem, their own ways of dealing with the zombies and and the the wreckage that this has all caused. I uh, I don't know. It, the the ending with the tribe kind of bothered me mm-hmm. for one reason. I felt it was doing the kind of thing that a lot of things do, where it's like saying, "Oh, these indigenous people have been doing everything the right way the whole time," and like this is the ideal civilization. Where it's like, I think their civilization having a different point of view is good enough. They don't need to also be the most badass at killing zombies and and the most you know idyllic civilization in, in play. Like there is some cool stuff between Martin Freeman and the girl where they're like understanding each other or he's understanding the Aboriginal culture a little better, which is fine. And then also like going back to how I read it as kind of a climate change metaphor, especially because they invoke the fossil Mm -hmm. fuel industry into the movie. And I'm like, this isn't a solution for the actual apocalypse we find ourselves in. Like even if we all go back to being content to not, you know, have TV and to live in like a hunter gatherer or agrarian society, that can't support seven billion people. Well, like we fact- need our technology and everything. <laughs> the fact we need our technology, science and technology to keep seven billion people alive. Well, the fact that you're personally preoccupied with climate change because of the UN report right now and personally looking for solutions and that you've now grafted that onto this movie 
is not a legitimate critique of the movie. This movie came out before the UN climate change report sure. and before you were thinking about sure, how to Sure, but I think it has some things change. to say about the environment and the political culture. Otherwise, there wouldn't be right. a contrast between the Aborigines and the fracking industry, for Yeah, example. but I don't think it's purporting to offer a solution to climate change. I think, you're, I, I think it's trying to I think you're imposing a, that on it. a better way of living. Maybe we don't really see how they live, except yeah. for that, like, what feels like a family reunion a shot picnic, toward the yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's proposing a better way of living. I don't know. Another way in yeah. which this movie is just kind of thinly conceived, but, you know, can't have everything. It, it well, tried. some of us can, and I did today in the hour <laughs> and 43 minutes that I spent with this movie. So, Patrick, did you get anything from it? thematically that really i mean obviously you connected really well with the you know scenes of the relationship with the guy and his baby and his his need to deliver the baby etc why what did the indigenous stuff do for you because it is a huge part of this movie i mean and that's kind of one thing that kind of like pulled me out of it is that i didn't really understand what it was trying to communicate i mean it's sort of like i've said already i mean i think it's um almost like a bait and switch in a way in the sense that the aboriginal culture has been there the whole time the whole movie and and sort of slowly gradually reveals itself to the point where these people understand what's going on way better than the white people do basically i don't know there was there was there was something fairly elemental and just very powerful to me especially about the end where you know you see that the aboriginals have their shit together and know what they're doing against the zombies yeah Especially because there is, I mean, Martin Freeman comes out and overtly criticizes the aboriginal traditions where, you know, he's like, listen, I don't care what your traditions say. There's been scientists trying to solve the zombie plague and uh, they haven't succeeded. And Mm -hmm. then we find out that maybe, maybe their things aren't working for the reasons they think they are, but they still have a solution to the zombies that is as legitimate as anything anyone else has presented. Yeah. It's a little, oh man, I don't know. I might go off the rails here and stop me if I do, but it's a little hokey. Like, I feel like if I lived in Australia, it's like the equivalent of like, if we were to film, if this film were made in America and you substituted Aboriginals with Native Americans, like, I feel like that would just be like so on the nose Mm. about like, and almost kind of offensive, like, well, you know, they, they, they have it right. Like treating Native Americans as sort of these like mystical people who have it all figured out and they know the right, right way of life uh, I don't there's know. a thin line to walk there and that's yeah. why i was very interested in knowing if if the people behind this movie are actually having you know are aborigines or not or if they're just kind of using them as a plot device uh, yeah know. it remains unknown and i i wish i had done more research before we recorded this is completely on a tangent but i can't wait for the zombie apocalypse to happen in real life because at least we'll fucking call the zombies zombies. Because I'm getting tired of all these movies that take place where there's an obvious zombie epidemic and everyone doesn't say the word zombie. Was there a juncture in this movie where, like, you thought someone should have said zombie? Well, they call them diggers. They call them ghosts. They call them all this shit. You ghosts was sweet. The if, Aboriginals all called them ghosts. The Aboriginals called them ghosts. And then everyone else called them diggers because they dig in the sand, right? They, and, and we've seen that in so many things. Diggers, infected, you know, lurkers, walkers. It's like more it's of like, a stretch to come up with silly death than just automatically say zombie. Or at least let's assume that these characters live in a world where they've seen a zombie movie before. And it's I don't like, think people would just say zombies if the zombie apocalypse happened. I agree. Happened. Because they're 
people, they're actual people. So if you see your husband or wife, you're not gonna have to say, "Oh, my, no, my husband's a zombie." Like I, I, I would, would. I'd yeah, be like, "Oh, I he's would. a fucking zombie." No, I'm no. gonna call her a digger. I mean, my wife's probably no, gonna but... be a digger. Plus, it's so <laughs> it's so embedded in popular culture at this point. Like, if zombies actually happen, no one would call them zombies. You know, because that would seem too far fetched. We describe them by some other term, then we'd probably come up with a slang term like "digger" They're to describe infected. them. Maybe. Like, listen, guys, if there was ever a time to call them zombies, this is it. I'm calling them zombies. Oh, boy. I'm going to go kill some zombies. Did Dolph Lundgren just walk in? <laughs> oh, no, it's just Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm, I'm built like Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's uh, that's that part of our show. Uh, I guess uh, you the know, police are trying to drag you out the door that's, now. <laughs> that's that part of our show. That's... Um, <laughs> Well, 99% of the show. Yeah, there's only one thing <laughs> left to do. Uh, we're spinning the Wheel of Death tonight, and I'm super excited to do so. It's been a while, it feels like, since we spun that old wheel and picked a movie, deviated from the old alphabet. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. been a while. We're going to have to grease it up a little bit. We're going to have to WD-40 this shit. Mm. Make sure it's water Check soluble. the bearings on that, baby. All right, so uh, <laughs> I think Patrick won last time, right? God, who knows? It yeah, I think really so. has been a while. Yeah, what so, was the last wheel? Oh, Train to Busan. Yeah, so we're gonna yeah a, a better zombie movie. Mm, no, agreed. Yeah. No. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, I, I like Train to Busan better. All right, so we're gonna drag this Just old slightly. wheel in here, and it's uh, Patrick gets to do the honors this time to spin it, and hopefully oh, do it doesn't land on Patrick again because I want to pick a goddamn movie for us. Yeah, big, big old crank. All right, it's Ooh. going. Wow. Money, 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 money. Give it to me. Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Oh, it's Steven. It was almost Patrick, but he got close. close. Steven, Uh, what are we watching for next time? We're going to watch Terrifier. Oh, Oh, no. Why are we picking Terrifier, Steven? I mean, I've heard some buzz about it, but also you brought up to me that uh, a certain uh, Shockwaves podcast co-host Rob Galuzzo had kind of an incendiary tweet about the way people are consuming this film. Yeah, this is the first time I became aware of this movie Terrifier. And Chris and I already had a huge debate about it. Yeah, Patrick and I already have argued about Terrifier, so I can't wait to argue about it even more when he loves it and the rest of us hate it. (laughs) I can just say uh, I don't really have much interest in this movie other than that and that I keep hearing about it. It doesn't really sound like anything special, but you know, I don't even know what it's about. Do we know? Does it's, anybody know? It's terrifying. It involves a clown of some sort. Oh, it's, oh boy. Like, we haven't seen that. Great. All right. So that's our movie for next time. Terrifiner. Eh, Terrifiner. <laughs> I wish. Terrifier. <laughs> Terrifiner. I barely know her. <laughs> All right. So catch us then. Two weeks. We'll be back for that one. Terrifier. Until then, uh, you can hit us up on social media if you want. We we'll, uh, we love hearing from our fans. Uh, you can email us, gang, at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Uh, we actually got a great email uh, uh, after the last episode from Paul in Seattle. Said some really nice things. We said some really nice things back. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Thanks you for Thank you, Paul. That was really sweet. If you want in on that action, you know, send us a little email. We'd oh, love to hear from action. you. Oh, yeah. But if you have, and if you want to say something shitty to us, just don't. Or hey, because we don't want to hear it. Or hey, I do. Weigh in on the controversy. Have you seen Cargo? What did you think? How did you feel the indigenous themes were handled? What were the themes? You know, just let us know what were your thoughts themes are. At all, we might read them on the next episode. But until then, we're we're gone. So uh, for every horror <laughs> we're movie about to on ghost, Net- y'all. <laughs> <laughs> for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick, and I have I'm- a stick of meat tied to my back as I walk out the door. <laughs> Oh, and nice. I'm still sobbing from cargo. Oh boy. I'm Steven. 
And I'm Sam. And I'm still laughing my ass off at that visual because it was horrible. Thanks for joining us. Rude. (laughs) Rude.